Isaiah chapter 40, verses 1 through 5. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her that all her service has been completed. That her sin has been paid for. That she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice of one calling. In the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be raised up, every mountain and hill made low. The rough ground shall become level, the rugged place is a plain. And the glory of the Lord will be revealed, and all people will see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. This is the word of the Lord. The idea of comfort is hardwired into us as humans. Now, I don't mean comfort in the sense of, of, of an easy life with cruises and uh, air conditioning and creature comforts and, you know, um, automatic garage door openers. That's not what I mean. I mean comfort in the sense that we know where to turn to uh, for safety and security when life is hard. We know where to turn to for safety and security when life is hard. Now, as little babies, we, we are wrapped in comfort blankets, and we hold on to them, and we suck our thumbs, and we stroke our cheeks, or we stroke our nose. Now, for me, I was a finger sucker, and I sucked these two fingers, and I would stroke my cheek, and somehow that action communicated to me that everything was going to be okay. These were my comfort fingers. Then we grow up, and as, and as adults, we no longer are, uh, have our comfort blankets necessarily, but we are wrapped, or, or we do lie under comforters on our bed. Now, we don't actually use this word in the UK, but I really love it because it signifies, uh, because the word comforter signifies a place of warmth and safety, kind of like a um, retreat. Um, it's a, it's a location where we don't have to pretend like everything's okay, where we don't have to um, act. We can, we can retreat there. We can read there. We can look at our phones there. Uh, we can cry there. We can pray there. We can talk to God there under our comforters. And that, and that comforter acts a bit like an inner sanctum, our fortress of solitude. It's the place where we can go and feel safe. So as little babies, we have our comfort blankets, and as adults, we have our comforters. Now, we also find comfort um, in other human beings, especially during times of loss, uh, uh, seasons like which some of us are going through right now. Um. Isaac married Rebecca, so she became his wife, and he loved her, and Isaac was comforted after his mother's death. Okay, here is Isaac finding comfort in grief in another human being in Genesis uh, chapter 24, verse 67. Or maybe you're more like, like Jacob, just a few chapters later in Genesis 37, verse 35, who it says, refused to be comforted. That his grief was so profound that he refused to be comforted. No, he said, I will continue to mourn until I join my son in the grave. So his father wept for him. So, and then some of us turn to food for comfort, right? That the action of placing comfort food in our mouth somehow helps us feel better, even if the fix is only temporary. 
Friends, we're hardwired for comfort to know where to turn to for safety and security when times are hard. So let me ask you this. When I talk about comfort, uh, what comes to your mind? What is the scenario that speaks to you of comfort? For me, it's Friday night with the family, pizza and movie night. Wendy's done with her college work for the week. Uh, the girls are done with their schoolwork. I finished my weekly responsibilities uh, as pastor um, here at Cornerstone, and I'm there with my family, and uh, I'm, I'm there with the ones that I love the most, and the pizza's just uh, been removed f- from the oven. We've not yet pressed play um, on the remote, on the movie, and it's that moment of uh, relaxation and anticipation that, that, that for me signifies what comfort is. What about you? What does comfort mean to you? What's the scenario? What's the scene? What's, uh, where are you? What's around you? Who is around you? What can you see? What can you smell? What can you hear? Now, for m- many of us, this season, as we move into Advent, our houses are going to be quieter than they usually are. And it will be strange. And it'll be strange because 2020 has been a special kind of a year, right? And I think that a special kind of a year needs a special kind of an Advent experience. It needs a special kind of Advent. And that's why I love the Wesleyan movement, the Wesleyan Church's Advent theme this year, A Weary World Rejoices. A Weary World Rejoices, because this is our cultural moment. Uh, This is our global moment that we are weary. We are weary. And we're weary of saying that we're weary, and we're weary of thinking that we're weary, and we just recognize that we are a weary world. And yet, right there at the end, tucked in, is this word, rejoices. This line from O Holy Night, a weary world rejoices. Now, what does worship look like? What does life worship? What, does, what, what do our lives look like when we feel more like singing, O come, O come, Emmanuel, and less like singing, uh, joy to the world? I think it looks like this. I think it looks like uh, that we need to be embracing more of the minor key themes of worship, more of the minor key themes of of life, less of the upbeat, up-tempo melodies, and more of the minor key um, sorts of songs and themes and, 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 and worship. Why? Because we're in a minor key sort of a time. We're weary. A special kind of year needs a special kind of advent. And that's what I want us to spend some time, uh, the next few minutes, grazing on um, this morning. What kind of advent does a year like 2020 need? You see, for many of us, uh, those Christmas, those special Christmas scenarios that many of us look forward to with anticipation each year, this year, they're either going to be changed or they're going to be absent. 
the meals and the get-togethers and the gift exchanges and the classic movies with friends and the sing-alongs you know, around the piano this year, it will be different. And here's how I know that this year is going to be different. Okay, Wendy and I are strict, uh, don't do anything Christmassy until December starts sort of folks, right? That's how we operate as a family. There's no, there's, there's, there's no lights, there's no tree, there's no Christmas music, nothing until the start of December. But, but this year, somehow, you could find us, the Wallaces, stringing up lights outside our house and, you know, around our bushes and laying laying the garland, um, mid-November, mid-November. Why? Why did we break our rule? Well, because it's a different sort of a year that requires a different sort of an advent. And we recognize that we need to do something to cheer us up, that uh, we need to do something to, to somehow bring some light and some brightness and some sparkle into life, because that's what we need and that's what our community needs. Now, for many of us, Advent is a time of comfort, it's a time of fond recollections, of fond memories, of um, well-known rhythms, of looked forward to traditions, of moments shared. That's what Advent is. We, and so we bake and we cook and we prepare and we light the tree and we think of the food and the family and the cousins and the grandkids and, and the friends. But, but what happens uh, when those things, those things that usually bring us deep comfort that somehow instill in us a sense that everything's going to be okay. What happens when those things are taken away from us by a worldwide pandemic? What happens when our family gatherings are stolen from us by lockdown? What happens when office outings are out the window? When the simple act of, you know, popping around a friend's house to leave them a card or some or a or a plate of baked goods is is now fraught with questions and concerns and masks and sanitizer. What happens when we can't simply say to our neighbor or our friend or our family, hey, do you want to come in for a minute? What happens when the comfort blanket is removed from us? Now, a few minutes ago, I asked you to imagine your special scene of, of, of what your special scene of comfort looks like, where you are, um, what you can see, what you can smell, what you can hear, all of that kind of thing. And as you imagined it, what you were doing in your mind is that you were kind of painting a picture. You were painting a scene, right? In your mind's eye, you've painted a picture of comfort, and it's rich and it's warm and it's nostalgic and it's probably a bit lively or noisy maybe. But now what's happened is that, is that with that scene, with that painting that you've picked, with that painting that you've painted in your mind, the year 2020 has come along with a big fat roller of, uh, of primer and it's just gone all over the picture, painted over it in white, in stark white. And that scene that looks so warm is now white, just a clear white. It looks really brutal, really stark. Uh, it's a place where warmth used to be, but is not necessarily there um, now. It's, uh, it, 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 
It looks really desolate. It looks really barren. It looks really bare. It looks like a desert. It looks like a snowfield. It looks like a wilderness. Friends, that's a blank canvas, that wilderness, that snowfield that 2020 has painted. That is where God is. I want you to hear that, that that blank space, that wilderness is where God is. And he's there and he's waiting for you. He's there in the sparseness of the canvas and he wants to meet you at that place. You see this, you see this advent, if you stick with what was if you only mourn the loss of what was, if you spend the next few weeks simply um, voicing the fact that Advent or Christmas is not like it usually is, then you've missed the point. You've missed an opportunity. If you don't venture into the blank canvas of this Advent wilderness, then you'll miss the voice. You'll miss the voice. You'll miss the voice. Isaiah 40 verse 3, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord. In the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord. This voice is calling to you from the wilderness, from the blank canvas, and it's calling you into the wilderness. And this voice is telling you that it is in the wilderness that God is, that God is there in the blank canvas. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Friends, we have a job that we must do, and our job is to make our hearts ready for the coming of our Lord, for his advent. Now, Ultimately, we are preparing ourselves for the second coming uh, at the end of time. But what Advent does is it kind of serves as a practice run for us as a, um, as a dress rehearsal uh, to practice preparing for the ultimate and final coming of the Lord. And so, and these, these words in, in Isaiah chapter 40 uh, were written to the exiled remnant of Judah far, far away over in Babylon. They were far from home and they were living the consequences of their sin. And yet this voice in the desert calls them out into the desert and it tells them to make straight in the desert a highway for our God. The actions taking place in the desert, the actions taking place in the wilderness. And so friends, from the wilderness... Come words of hope, words of promise. It's a word that God has not done with them yet. And isn't this a word that we need to hear this Advent season? Friends, this construction of this highway of hope starts in the desert. It starts in the wilderness, in this place of emptiness, in this place of quietness and stillness and silence. This is the place that we can start to build something new that will serve as a highway for God into our very lives. Friends, God longs to meet with you. He longs to bring you the comfort that only he can bring. This 
this Advent season, he's armed with comfort. He's armed and dangerous. He's ready to invade your life. But you need to make that highway. You need to make that highway. And that highway has a name. That highway is called repentance. You see, the words of of prophecy that we've just read from Isaiah 40 were, were later echoed in Luke chapter 3 verse 3. And it's in Luke chapter 3 verse 3 that we actually find out that the voice in the desert belonged to a man whose name was John the Baptizer. And he was, he was literally preparing the way for the literal coming of the Lord, for the coming of Jesus Christ. And John... Um, linked preparation for God's coming with repentance. He equated preparation for God's coming with repentance. He was saying that repentance is preparation, that preparation is repentance. Luke chapter 3 verse 3 says this, he went into all the country around Jordan, this is John the baptizer, preaching a baptism of repentance. Here it is, for the forgiveness of sins, as it is written uh, in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet, from, from Isaiah 40, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. Every valley shall be filled and every mountain and hill made low. The crooked road shall become straight and the rough way smooth and all the people will see God's salvation. Well, this part here, this is all talking about repentance. This, this uh, making ready, making straight and the preparation, it's all talking about repentance. And so what John's saying is that when repentance happens, Jesus will come. He can only come into the heart that that has had the groundwork of repentance already done, that has already laid the groundwork. And that voice in Isaiah chapter 40 and that voice in Luke chapter 3, it's calling us, it's calling you and it's calling me into the wilderness in order to prepare for the coming of the, uh, of the Lord, for the coming of our God. And yes, that voice was John the baptizer, but that voice is also the Holy Spirit. And, and how it works now is that the Holy Spirit speaks to our consciences, speaks to our mind, to, and, 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 and he calls us to repentance, to make things right between us and God. It's that sense of unsettledness. It's the sense of knowing that things aren't quite right between me and my Savior. That's the Holy Spirit. That's the voice in the desert. That's the voice in the wilderness. And this whole thing of making things right between us and God, well, Advent is a perfect time for us to do that. In fact, it lends itself to it. The, the uh, word Advent means coming. It means coming. So in this season, let us go into the wilderness, into the desert, into the blank canvas, and let's make our hearts ready for the advent of our God, for the coming of our God. Let's embrace the blank canvas that this global pandemic has handed us. Let every heart prepare him room, right? That, that uh, song, now, now these words, let every heart prepare him room, they aren't just nice words in a Christmas carol that we sing and we feel nostalgic and warm over. These are, this is actually an instruction manual, let every heart prepare him room. Let every heart prepare him room 
So is your heart prepared? Is there room in your heart for Jesus? Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out. Isn't this amazing news? That times of refreshing may come from the Lord and that he may send the Messiah who has been appointed for you, even Jesus. Acts 3 verse 19. Your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come, but it starts with repenting, which means turning to God, turning from your sin and turning to God. Friends, Jesus wants to come. He wants to fill you this Advent. He wants to fill you. He wants to bring times of refreshing to you. He wants you to know uh, the present reality of Jesus in your life right now. He wants you drenched in blessing like Mount Hermon last week. He wants you to know the power and the beauty and the glory of being filled with the spirit. Jesus is waiting to come. The Messiah who has been appointed. Even Jesus is waiting to come. But you need to repent. You, 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 you need to turn from your sin and you need to turn to God. I need to repent. I need to go out into the wilderness of, the, of, of, uh, of my heart and I need to repent. Those, those things that we've allowed into our lives, those sins that have taken up residence in our hearts, those false comforts, those uh, lies and those deceptions and those coping mechanisms, we need to turn from them. And we need to bring them to the cross of Jesus. We need to turn to God our burdens and our failures, our transgressions, our past, our sins. And we need to hand them over to him and we need to leave them there. This is the voice in the desert crying, prepare a way for the Lord. And so friends, in the blank canvas of this advent in this wilderness time that 2020 has handed us, allow the Holy Spirit to point out to you areas of your life that you need to repent of and then turn away from these sins and turn to Christ. And then you will experience the times of refreshing. Don't you want to feel refreshed? And the cleansing and the new life and the new birth and the new start and the new chapter. Repent of your past. But once you've repented, then move on. Don't linger there. Don't stay there. Isaiah 40 verse 1 says this. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her that her hard service has been completed. That her sin has been paid for. That she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. These words were written to the Jews in, who were in captivity. And they were told that their record has been expunged. It's been cleaned. It's been cleared. It's been wiped out. It's done. It's finished. These words from, from Almighty God were spoken into their lives. This, 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 this holy God that they've sinned against, uh, that they've sinned against, he says, it's all done. It's all finished. 
And this is what happens when we come to God in the wilderness of repentance, when we leave the um, city walls of our lives and we go out into the wilderness, we meet God there and we experience wonderful forgiveness. And so Jesus also suffered outside the city gate to make the people holy through his own blood. Let us then go to him outside the camp, leave the noise and the stuff and go into the wilderness and meet Jesus there because he makes us holy through his blood. As we repent of the uh, 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 of our sinful past, we can then move on from our past in our new identity as God's beloved. Which is why verses like this are so cool. It says, I tell you that in the same way there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons, quote unquote righteous persons, who do not need to repent. There's rejoicing over one sinner who repents. Can that sinner be you? Can you cause rejoicing in heaven? Could you be responsible for that? So repent of your past, venture into the desert, go to Jesus outside the city gate, build a highway of repentance from the cross, and then move on. Don't dwell on your past. Embrace God's comfort. Know that you are forgiven, that you are cleansed, that the past has been wiped clean, that it's no longer held against you. Know that you have a new start, a new identity, a new hope in Jesus. Friends, the, uh, you know, the thing about the wilderness is that it can be intimidating. It can be scary. It's because it's a place that's quiet. It's a place where you're left alone with your own thoughts. And in the wilderness, kind of suppressed emotions can threaten to, um, to rise up and to overwhelm us. The wilderness is a lonely place to be, and that's why we don't often go there. That's, that's why we want to stay within the city walls. And so as this Advent season begins, when you're faced with the blank canvas of this unique Advent 2020, when so much of what is familiar has been replaced with wilderness, I think it's tempting for us to do one of two things. First, instead of venturing into the wilderness, we can choose to get lost in the memory of what Christmas used to be like. We can call this first way nostalgia. And this, this Advent season, if we allow nostalgia to overwhelm us, if we obsess over uh, what, what was and what is no, no, no longer, if we're continually comparing this Advent season to previous years, um, then what it's like is that it's, it's, it's as if we're desperately trying to scrape off the white primer um, that has now now covered our painting and what and um, and what happens when you do that is that you might get a glimpse here and there of what used to be there but it's this kind of messy hodgepodge of uh, what is and what was and it just looks like a mess if we choose to do this then we're living in the past and if we're just focusing on nostalgia, if we're just focusing on the past, if we're, if we're just focusing on what is no longer, uh, then no matter how hard we work, everything we do over Advent and over Christmas will be laced with sadness. 
And we'll just say that Advent's not the same. That Christmas is not the same. It's not the same. We'll just say that over and over again. And then the other temptation that stops us from going into the blankness of the canvas uh, is to paint over this blank canvas with a whole new painting straight away. Lots of color, lots of brightness, lots of shapes, lots of forms. Uh, We go crazy with filling our days with noise and stuff and phone calls and online shopping and food and Skype calls and Zoom calls. Anything to fill in the silence of the wilderness. We can't stand the silence, so let's make noise. And that's what the second option is, noise. We can choose nostalgia. We can choose noise. But this morning, I invite you to resist the twin temptations of filling this Advent with sheer nostalgia and filling it with sheer noise. And instead, I invite you into the way of repentance, to walk into the wilderness, to walk into the blank canvas of Advent 2020, to hear the voice calling this still small voice, this, this voice that cannot be heard over nostalgia and noise. So these have to be got rid of, and then you can start to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit, this voice calling in the wilderness. And as you listen to him, he calls you to repentance. He calls you to this third way. And you realize that that this isn't a call for your neighbor or your spouse or your children or your parents or your pastor or whoever. It's not a call for them. It's a call for you. For you to repent, for you to prepare a highway for Jesus into your heart through repentance. And so I implore you, I plead with you, don't waste these next four weeks. Please take time to listen to what God is saying to you in the wilderness. Allow him to uh, lower every mountain and every hill in your life, those proud areas of your life, those mountains of self-sufficiency, those those areas of your life where you tend to overvalue yourself, allow him to lower them. These need to be repented of and removed, but also allow him to raise those valleys in your life where you're never good enough, where you are less than, where you are not important or you're insignificant. Let God come in into the desert places and raise the valleys in your life. You see, when we stand in in front of the cross of Jesus outside the city wall, uh, every mountain of pride in our life is leveled and every valley of insignificance is raised up. You know, the cross says that you have nothing to be proud of, but it also says that you are loved beyond your imagination. So have the courage this Advent to go into the wilderness, to venture into the wilderness. I, I actually mean this. I, I actually mean go into your calendar and set time aside for you to be alone with the Lord. Make it a priority to, to embrace silence and solitude, this wilderness, this blank this blank canvas, to sit there alone with with your God and the Bible open and just listen with your heart to what the Spirit is saying to you. 
and then to pray honest prayers. Maybe it means going for walks in the countryside, just you and the Lord and simply being with him. Friends, take time for the wilderness. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Reject the false comfort of nostalgia. Reject the false comfort of noise. And and instead allow God to comfort you this Advent. Through the gospel, allow God to comfort you. Through, through Through the Advent devotionals, allow God to comfort you. Through times of silence and solitude, allow God Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth, to comfort you. And what happens when we do that is that he will start to paint a new picture in your life. And that blank canvas that Advent 2020 has cursed us with because of a global pandemic might actually be the biggest blessing that we were not expecting. Because it's on the blank canvas that God can paint a new picture. It's on a blank canvas that God wants to paint a new picture. It's in the wilderness that God builds a highway. One where we don't seek comfort through losing ourselves in nostalgia or seek comfort through drowning ourselves in noise. Instead, we find true comfort through repentance. And the glory of the Lord will be revealed. And the people will see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken and the glory of the Lord will be revealed. And all people will see it together for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. A special kind of year needs a special kind of Advent. And this Advent is God's gift to you.